0: saving our sons of course this message could very easily be called delivering our daughters uh, but since the focus is not on Miriam in verse 4 but it's on Moses I want to send out an SOS today that we might save our sons and deliver our daughters And anybody with any sense at all knows that our children are in trouble. Our children are in some serious trouble. When we look at the child abuse, the child molesting, the dropout rate, the put out rate in regard to schools, where many children are taking weapons rather than guns, where our children have to walk through metal detectors before they can go to their classrooms, our children are in trouble. When we look at the alcohol abuse and the drug abuse that is running so rampant in just about every community, y'all, our children are in trouble. When we look at all of these problems and all of these pains put together, and and I'm not just talking about just any one color or culture, because I don't care if you are black or white, if you are rich or poor, If you are learned or unlearned, educated or uneducated, live in the inner city or out in the suburbs, our children are in some serious trouble. They're in danger. But I just believe that no matter how dangerous it is, no matter how destructive a time we live in, that there is possibility our children can be delivered. I just believe God can draw them out of whatever they're in at this time. And and, and I say that because there was another group of children that were in some serious trouble in the book of Exodus in chapters 1 and 2. They were in some serious problems. There was a new king in Egypt, this new pharaoh uh, that came into rule that that did not know Joseph, who didn't know Joseph, that, that Hebrew man that had really done much not only for the Hebrew people but for the Egyptian people made it possible for them to eat. He was really running the kingdom of Egypt. But when he died and, and that generation of Joseph died with him, here comes a whole nother Egyptian generation. Now with a new king, this pharaoh, that did not know the contributions of Joseph nor the Hebrew people. And now this new king set out to bring genocide, set, sets out to destroy the Hebrew people. And he destroys them, goes after them by trying to kill the little boys. And this new pharaoh who did not know his history, did not know his heritage. And be careful about people who don't know their history. And that means they have no idea of their destiny either. Whenever you run across a person who they don't know where they've come from, they also don't know where they're going. And they start lashing out and to attack other folk, and that's what he was doing. This king puts out this new decree that every Hebrew boy that is born is to be killed. He just thought the Hebrew people were growing physically too much. And there would be so many of them, they would take over his kingdom. He didn't know that the Hebrew people had been a blessing to the Egyptians. So he said, if the Hebrew boy is born, he's to be destroyed. If it's a girl, let her live. But those Hebrew midwives said, we're not going to kill our own people. Boy, I could preach a whole sermon right there. That we can learn not to destroy each other, not to cut each other off, not to go after each other. Those Hebrew midwives said, we're not killing folk that look like us. And they refused to destroy those little Hebrew boys, but Pharaoh didn't give up. He said, well, since they won't kill their own people, then I want you Egyptians, that when there is a Hebrew boy that is born, I want you to throw him into the Nile River, and I want him to be destroyed. And you would think that that would wipe out all of the Hebrew people with those boys. But when I got to chapter 2 of Exodus, I discovered there was a Hebrew boy that didn't die in that destruction. I I, I saw this Hebrew boy that that he didn't go to jail with everybody else. He didn't make it to the juvenile center. That he ended up going to school. He got his degree. He got married. He had a wholesome family. I saw one that made it. And I wanted to know, how did Moses get delivered when all of these other boys were being destroyed and he was going through the same thing? If you haven't awakened yet, you ought to wake up because you ought to want to know, how can my child get delivered when others are being destroyed? How can my child keep from becoming a statistic? How can my child sail when others are sinking? You want to know how we can get our children to make it, how our daughters can be delivered, how our sons can be saved, what the first thing we need is parental participation. We need the participation of parents in seeing their children through. Come on, look with me in verse number one. Exodus chapter two, verse one. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. Now look at Moses' parents. They are both of the levitical they they are both of the tribe of levi and whatever else i know about the tribe of levi i know this is a group of people that knows something about prayer y'all heard of the levitical priesthood god set a group of people aside to be the priests to go to God on behalf of the people. Those were the Levites of which Moses' mother and father are descendants. They come out of a tradition of prayer. They come from a family that knows how to pray. They have a history and a heritage of falling on their knees before God. No wonder Moses made it because he had a parent that prayed for him. If you want your child to sail when others are sinking... You better spend some time in prayer with God. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what neighborhood you live in. Your child is at risk. And you need to pray for your child because there are others that are praying on your child. P-R-E-Y. You got drug dealers, P-R-E, they're praying on your child. You you got prostitutes praying on your child. You, you, you You have some messed up mentalities praying on your child. You have gang leaders praying on your child. You have some messed up minds praying on that, that ought to be reason enough to pray for your child. If others are gonna pre-P-R-E-Y, you better learn how to pre, P-R-A-Y. P-R-A-Y. You, you, you better learn how to take your child before God and ask God to watch over your child. You m- matter of fact, you, you wanna know how some of us have made it? Your degree didn't get you through. <laughs> I know you work hard, that's nice, but that ain't what got you through, huh? I know you've been to this school and that school. You got this degree and that degree. You got a nice position. I just believe some of us have made it because we had mothers and fathers that were praying for us. And, and the stuff we try to counsel out today, our parents used to cast out yesterday. Yo, all yo, we, we're going to have to learn how to pray. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible said, ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. The, the Bible says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Jesus said up until this point you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and it shall be given unto you. James says that you have not because you ask not. I dare you to fall down on your knees every now and then and begin to spend some time in the presence of God. Y'all do know God hears and answers prayer. Matter of fact, some of y'all making it even now off mama's prayers. And some folk, your mother is dead and living in the presence of God. Your, your father, your grandfather, they're already in heaven, but, but you're still making it off mama's prayers. God's still answering your grandfather's prayers. God's still... Mo- Y'all know you've, you've been in situations where you didn't have sense enough to pray. Well, let me just personalize. I've been in situations that I didn't have sense enough to listen to God, didn't have sense enough to obey the Lord, And I've been in situations I know I shouldn't have gotten out. I know I shouldn't be here today. It wasn't me praying that got me out, but I had a mother and a grandmother and a praying family of the tribe of Levi that was lifting me up before the Lord. That when somebody else got shot, I made it out. I know y'all can't testify, but I'm going to tell you right now, every now and then, God gets you out because he's answering somebody else's prayers. I, I, I just believe in prayer. It's not unusual for me to gather my family together. I am the priest in my family. I'm not just the priest at church. I'm the priest in my family. And I gather my family together and we seek the Lord's word from his scriptures. And then we take turns praying and I'm the last one to pray. I am the priest in my family. And I pray in the midst of my family because I'm praying for those boys. And even at times if I have a late meeting and by the time I get home, my kids are already asleep. It's not unusual. For me to go into their bedroom and to lay hands on each one of my sons and begin to call his name before the Lord. God, watch over Jay Allen. God, watch over Jordy. God, bless Jalen. God, keep Josiah. Because I don't know what they're going to have to face in the world, but I do know when they face it, they're going to face it with my prayers. Y'all, we better learn how to pray. Do you know what happens when you pray? Your prayers touch three worlds at the same time. Your pray, when you pray, your prayers go up to God in worship. Your prayers go out to humanity in work. And then your prayers go down to Satan in warfare. <laughs> And some of us, even now, even now, it's after 12, still haven't spoken to the Lord. We'll go all day and never call on his name. We'll lay down at night and never ask God anything. And you're wondering why you're having such a rough time. Somebody sitting next to you comes in with their shoulders back, their head up, knowing the Lord is watching. Y'all better learn how to pray. We got to pray for these kids, y'all. We got to pray for these kids. And not only did they pray, but listen to what it says in verse 2. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, when she saw him, when she saw him, that he was a goodly child. Watch her perception towards her child. Now remember, the government looks upon her child as a threat. That's why they're trying to take him out. The community looks upon her child as a burden. But when she sees it, He's goodly. Another translation says he's beautiful. Another one says he's wonderful. I wonder what do you see when you see your child? Do you see a burden or a blessing? Because depending upon what you see, what you perceive, what your child will determine how you relate to that child. So you don't even have to say anything to the child, but if you look at the child as a burden, somebody in your way, somebody keeping you from your goals, somebody keeping you from your destination. If it wasn't for you, I could make it. If you see them as a burden, you begin to relate to them like that, whether you say it or not. But if you see them as a gift of God, if you see them as a blessing, as an inheritance of God, you relate to them like that. And let me just throw this in, too. Your child ain't keeping you from making it. Whole lot of folk got kids that made it. Come on. These children are blessings, not burdens. And when we recognize that and when we see that, we will relate to them properly. Now, let me say this to somebody whose parents didn't know how to raise you right. And they verbally abused you, called you stupid and dumb and ignorant. You're in my way. I wish I had never had you. Let me help somebody this morning. Whose parents didn't know how to raise them and kept calling you an accident. We are so quick, y'all, to label our children. Special needs children. Slow to learn. Retarded. Learning disability. Y'all know we label our children illegitimate child. Bastard. What makes a child illegitimate? What did the baby do? To make them illegitimate. Because now, if anybody's illegitimate, it ain't the child. I believe there are illegitimate parents that are expressed in their legitimate child. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Because some some folk will tell me, Pastor, I I don't believe you're going to bless that baby. Because y'all know I bless any baby that comes. I said, I don't believe you're going to bless that illegitimate baby. Number one, I don't think they're illegitimate. That's number one. Every baby is legit. Number two, if any baby needs a blessing, it's the one born out of wedlock. Anybody, when your mama and daddy told you you were an accident, don't believe it. You may have been an accident to mom and daddy, but you were not an accident to God. You did not sneak up on God. God didn't turn around one day and there you were. No, no, no. God knew you. Matter of fact, in Jeremiah chapter 1, it says that before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. You didn't sneak up on him. Before you came forth from the womb, I had already sanctified and ordained you. You didn't sneak up on him. Psalm 139 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And guess who made you? The Bible says that God was in your mother's womb, shaping and forming your substance. So God took time making you. Now watch what God does. He takes time making you what he made you. And then the rest of us, we spend time trying to be something other than what he made us. When God made you, he did not make a mistake. He was trying to make you that size. He was trying to make you that color. He wanted your hair just like that. He wanted you to look the way you look. He wanted your eyes the color they are. He wanted you just the way you are. Then we spend our time trying to be something other than what he made us. You know what? We come into this world originals. And most of us will die copies. And if you haven't learned it yet, an original is worth more than any copy. That's why I don't try to walk like you. I don't try to talk like you. I don't try to dress like you. I don't try to drive like you. I don't try to live like you because I am an original baby and that enhances my invaluability. I'm worth something all by myself. And I pass that on to my kids. God made you who you are. And children, God don't make no junk. When he made you, he was trying to make you. Oh, I wish I had a witness in here. do we perceive our children they're goodly, they're wonderful, they're blessings and in verse 2 it says in in Exodus 2 and 2 when she saw him that he was a goodly child she hid him three months parents you want to know how you ought to participate in your children making it you ought to protect them she hid him three, remember the government thought he was a threat and that oppressive government was trying to get rid of him there were others in the community that was trying to get rid of him. Y'all, there are forces in our society that don't want you to make it. And they don't want your child to make it. And they are seeking to destroy them. Now it is up to you as a parent to offer protection for your child. Now watch, watch what, who, who this is offering protection. This is a woman of the tribe of Levi. This is a woman that knows something about prayer. This is a woman that knows something about a relationship with God, but yet she's still got to protect her child. Because just because you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you've united with his church and bought a new Bible doesn't mean you can let your children do what they want to do. Your kids are now automatically going to develop into who God wants them to be without your input. You got to protect them. And look at where she's protecting her child. Where does she hide him? At home. The boy was in danger of being destroyed at his own home. You know, that that causes me to ask you, what goes on at your house? Because I know some of us, we're so concerned about the school district that our children and the schools they go to. And we ought to be concerned. We're so concerned about the peer pressure and their friends. We ought to be concerned about that. We're so concerned about the neighbor down the street that's weird. And uh, we ought to be concerned about that. But sometimes, y'all, it's not the school system up the road. It's not the neighbor down the street. It's not the friends in the community. Some of our kids are being destroyed at home. In the midst of their own home, they're in. The- so let me ask you this: What music do you listen to at home? What are the words and the lyrics that roam through your house? What words? are your kids' heads being filled with? What movies do, do you allow in your home? What is that stuff you watch on television? What, what is that those cable stations are bringing? What, what is it that you watch? What VCRs, what, what videos do you put into your VCRs? What magazines do you leave laying around? What, what, what kind of beverages do you consume? All I'm trying to tell is, y'all, some of our children are at day dang, in danger at home. And we gotta, y'all, we gotta be careful what we bring into our house. Matter of fact, my wife and I, we've just come to the conclusion that not everybody is welcome in our home. And some folks say, oh, y'all just stuck up. No, we're not stuck up. We got four kids in that house, and we are protecting them from certain environment. And even if they have to run into that environment, they don't have to run into it at home. Because what they see at home is where way they think life ought to be. And I'm serious about it. We got to start offering protection to our kids that they might make it. And it's up to the parent to offer that kind of protection for that child, even if you are praying parent. But some parents say, well, you know, I'm praying. I don't have to do anything. Yes, you do. Let me tell you how prayer and trust in God operate. When you pray and trust in God, God is not going to do for you what you can do for yourself. What you do is you do all you can do. Then you pray and trust God for what you cannot do. Y'all not getting it. Let me see. Let me me move from the children for just a minute. Somebody is is praying for a job. Oh, I'm just laying it on the altar. I'm taking it. I'm holding it up before the Lord. I'm I'm trusting God for a new job and never get out of bed in the morning. God is not going to do for you what you can do for yourself. So what God expects for you to do is to ask, seek, and knock. And you got to get out of bed to seek and knock. You got to get out of bed. And, And if you had a job, you would be working at least eight hours a day. So that's how long you ought to be working every day to find one. Amen, Pastor. And as you go out asking, seeking, and knocking, that's what you can do. Now, God will do what you cannot do. If you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, he'll make it so you find it. If you knock, y'all do. No God can open doors that no man can close. You do what you can do. God will do what you cannot do. Same way in our children. God is expecting for us to offer the protection and to offer the prayer and the perception that is necessary to rear and raise that child. Let me show you something else she was doing. Look at the provision she gives in verse number three. Exodus chapter 2, verse 3. And when she could no, not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dubbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's banks. Now remember, as chapter 1 closes, the Hebrew boys are being tossed into the Nile River to drown. Now we find... Moses in the same Nile river that the other Hebrew boys was in. Why is he not drowning? Those other Hebrew boys were in the same situation he was in. They sank, he sailed. They went to the same school. They 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 ran and they were exposed to the same crowds. They listened to the same teachers, the same professors. They went through the same thing. The same drug dealers approached them. The same prostitutes came their way. The same pimps. They had everything the same except for Moses made it out, and they didn't. Why? That's because Moses' mother gave him something that when she was not present, he could still make it. Oh, pastor, you just said something in here. She gave him something. She provided something for him that when she was not present, he would still be able to sail through his situations. Here's what what I'm trying to get across to you. You cannot be with your children 24 and 7. You can't be with your children 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now since I cannot be with my four boys 24 hours a day and 7 days a week, how are they going to make it when I'm not around? I got to give them something that when others are sinking, they can keep on selling. You know what? You know what? Let me, let me give this illustration then. I, um, I, I went to school when I was 18 years old. I went to college. I went to Bishop College in Dallas, Texas. It was my first time really being away from home, and especially being away from my mother and all that kind. of. So I was, I was first time leaving home, going to college. And, and I got to admit, y'all, I was going to have a good time in college. I got to admit. I was going to learn two or three things, but I got to admit. I was going to college because I was going to have me some good time. And y'all ain't got to look at me funny either. Some of y'all, when you went to college, I could have went to college in Indiana, but no, I wanted to get a little further away. From mama's rules and regulations. I I was going to have me a good time in college. I I was sick of those rules, sick of those regulations, sick of listening to all those standards, all those values and all that kind of stuff. So I was sick of that curfew. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So now here I was in college. I was getting ready to have a good time. But when it came time to have a good time, I could still hear mama's voice. Mama was 861 miles away from me, but I could still hear her voice running down the corridors of my mind, still reminding me of who I was. I don't care what other folk do. You my child. You a Johnson. You don't act like other folk. You don't do those things. I could, Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mama had put Jesus in me. Mama had put the Holy Ghost in She put some standard so that when Mama wasn't around, I could still sell. And some of my friends were sinking, but I, mama had played. Here's what I'm trying to tell Give your kids something they can hold on to and give them something that can hold on to them. Have you ever tried to go somewhere and the Holy Ghost start messing with you? I know I got a witness in here now. You you were getting ready to get into, some of y'all just last night, you were getting ready to get into something and the Holy Ghost begin to deal with you. That's what we got to get in our children, y'all. The Bible says... That if you bring up a child in the way of the Lord, when they get old, they won't depart from it. It doesn't mean they're going to always follow it. But what it does mean is they'll never forget it. I wonder what you're passing on to your children. fact, my, my, one, of my sons, one of my sons had a game yesterday. And he had a game in the hood. He had a game in the hood. Y'all know it. He had a game in the hood. Basketball game. In the hood. In the inner city. And I want my sons to learn how to play inner city basketball. Ain't no foul in the inner city. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to play real basketball. <laughs> and I sat there at that game, and I was watching those kids, and some of those kids are so very gifted in basketball, little bitty kids, crossovers they can do all kind of stuff. And I thought to myself, that's going to be some of their, trans- some, for some of them, their transportation out of the ghetto. For some of them, that would be their way to education and, and to positions and to training and to all of that kind of stuff. And, but as soon as I said that, another word came to me. And I said, but they're going to need to do more than learn how to shoot. They, they're going to need Jesus in their life. Because when the storms of life come, a crossover dribble ain't going to help you when the storms of life come, being able to run faster and shoot straighter and hit further than somebody else, y'all, that ain't going to help you. And I'm not saying don't teach your kids basketball and baseball and track and field and expose to them to different things in life. Whatever they are good at, expose them to that. But just understand, y'all, a baseball bat is not going to get them through difficulty in marriage. A basketball is not going to... You got to give them some Jesus in that situation. And part of the problem I have with some of us our kids know more of Snoop Doggy Dog songs than they know gospel songs. They know more about Little Kim's rapping than they know about the Holy Ghost. Something wrong with that, cause when your child is in danger and in trouble, Little Kim ain't gonna show up. Snoop Doggy Dog ain't gonna be there, but I serve a God that will step into their situation and will see them through. Do I have a witness in this place? I'm saying is give your kids something that they can sell when others are shaking. Let me hurry up because not only do we need the participation of parents but if children are going to make it we need the contribution from the community. You know what somebody's saying to me? Well I, this sermon's not for me. I don't have any kids. Don't plan to have any kids. This sir, I wasted my time in coming to church. I, I shouldn't have been here. This sermon doesn't mean anything to me. That's because you don't understand the contribution that needs to come from the community when it comes to our children. Y'all, it is not simply up to that mother and father to rear and raise our kids. We got to get away from this selfish mentality. It is time for the, commi- it's time for the village, y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's time for the village to take ownership in our children and begin to raise kids that don't even belong to us. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Come, come to chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, verse 5. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. She had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Watch what this woman does. This woman did not give birth to Moses. But she opened her heart to Moses. And when she opened her heart, the next thing that opened was her home. She begins to make a contribution, an investment in a child that doesn't even belong to her. She had no biological responsibility towards this child. She didn't owe this child anything. No biological responsibility, but she took on emotional, compassion, and also economical. She paid wages for him to be taken care of. She opened up her heart and her home to him because she loved him, even though she didn't give birth to him. I don't care if you had a child or not. There ought to be some young person you're making an investment in. And there are so many of us, instead of making investments in children, we make excuses. It's time for us, y'all, to start investing in our children rather than making excuses. Matter of fact, matter of fact, there, there's some that when we talk about our child care ministry, and coming alongside to make sure that it's sound and, and giving assistance from our church and keeping our school open and thriving and well, even though we don't charge as much as others, when we start talking about the summer camp that we have here and the after-school program and the cost that's associated with that, when we start talking about the $50,000 plus a year that we give in regard to scholarships to our young people, some folk got something to say about that and got excuses on why we should not be spending that much money when it comes to our children. But I don't care what nobody says. We're going to make investments in our young people. We're going to make investments in our kids because if we don't invest anything in them, then don't expect anything from them. Now watch this because we're going to have to pay one way or another. So either we can pay now to get them through school or we can pay later to keep them in jail. But either way we're going to pay. And I'd rather risk a few dollars. I'd rather risk some time. I'd rather risk an investment on some young folk that I know God can do something with them. If they just had a chance, if they just had an opportunity. Y'all, we're going to have to reach out to kids that don't belong to us. But you know what's so special about Pharaoh's daughter? Pharaoh's daughter, this is a real special woman because they pulled that child out of that water. They opened that basket. You know what she said? This is one of the Hebrews' children. But she still raised a child of another culture, another class, and another color, still made a contribution even though the child didn't belong. Now, now you got to know something about love to do that. It, the, the King James Version says compassion. Now, if you don't know anything about unconditional love, this won't make sense to you. But when you love somebody, Differences don't make a difference. Now, some of us are blind because we say we don't see color. The only way you don't see color is to be blind. See, we try to, some of us try to act so holy and sanctimonious that I don't see any difference. That everybody everybody is not the same. Why do we say stuff like that? I hope you mean that figuratively because even in here y'all even among all of us many of us of african descent there are so many different colors and thank god for for other cultures that are here so many different colors how can you not see color if you don't see color you don't see me there's nothing wrong with the difference y'all there are differences with we even have different cultures that i could put on the same suit somebody from another culture can have the same suit on we're gonna wear it differently Different cultures, even the way we dress. Even how I talk. I, I speak English, but another culture can speak English, but it's a different kind of English. It's just, and you know, Hispanics speak English, but they speak it differently than us. European Americans speak English, but they speak it differently from us. African Americans speak English, but y'all know it's... I'm not talking about when you're on your job answering the phone. I'm talking about when you get around your folk. The point I'm trying to make... There are cultural differences. And there's nothing wrong with being different. But the differences shouldn't make a difference. That's what I'm trying to say. That some people, when we see other folk that are different from us, we try to kill them. But this woman saw somebody that was different from her and she embraced them. Now, matter of fact, let me say this too because it is the difference that can make a difference. It is the diversity that we have that can bring the unity. Because each of us brings something different to the body of Christ. I bring something you don't bring. You bring something I don't bring. Now, if I try to stand off by myself, I will do very little. But if we can all hook up together, you bring what you have, I bring what I have, the diversity can bring unity, and we can get some victories. But that is not going to happen until we learn how to love the way God loves. You know, this woman, when she she saw, she saw that little Hebrew boy, she said, He's a Hebrew child. But she loved them anyway, because when, when you love somebody, she, she said, I, "I know he's a different I know he's a different color, because I'm Egyptian, he's Hebrew. He's a different culture. I have Egyptian, African history. He has Hebrew history. I, I know he's a different class. I'm rich, he's poor. But she said, "I still love him. Can I throw this in about interracial relationships since I'm at this point? For those of us who have problems, that, that always disturbs me we got problems with other folks' relationships. But, but let me say a word just about inter, interracial relationships and interracial marriages. First, let me say just a personal thing. I married who I want to marry. You marry who you want to marry. And don't let them, you just marry who you believe God is hooking you up with. That's number one. Number two, when you love somebody, color doesn't make a difference. When you love somebody, culture doesn't make a difference. When you love somebody, you don't care where they come from. You don't care about their background. There are going to be hurdles you're going to have to get over in any relationship. But when you love somebody, you're not looking at all that stuff. Some of us just don't know what love is all about. She loved that child. She said, I'm, I'm, he doesn't belong to me, but I'm taking him in anyway. Anybody here been blessed by somebody that wasn't in your family? Some principal took you in, some... Some teacher did more than what they got paid to do. Some coach taught you how to do more than hit a ball. They just embraced you even though you were not in their family. Now, if somebody did you like that, shouldn't you be doing somebody else like that? I didn't mean to spend all that time there, but I know we need to hear that. She opened her home. She opened her heart. And after she opened her heart, her home opened, then her hand opened. Pastor, what do you mean her hand opened? Well, her hand open, in order to get that basket out of that water. Her hand open because in verse number nine, now she's paying wages for this child to be taken care of. Now, now I already know as a pastor, don't expect anybody to open their hand to give something unless they open their heart. Because if you love something, see you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. But here's what I want you to know. When she, started, when she opened that hand to help, she did not give to Moses a handout. She gave him a hand up. You want to know where Moses got his name from? It means to be drawn out. His mother put him in that water. They they drew him out. They pulled him out. She didn't give him a hand out. She, She gave him a hand up out of that water. Now, there is a difference between a hand out and a hand up. Hand outs make beggars. Hand ups make deliverers. So when somebody comes and asks me for money, the first thing I want to know is where can I find them a job? Some of y'all missed that. Because if I give them some money, guess what? In a few days, they're going to be knocking on my door again. But if I find them a job, that's going to get them out of their situation. And maybe they'll reach back and help somebody else. I don't know who made up that little cliche that it's better to teach a man how to fish than to give him some fish. Cause if you just give him some fish, he may die right after he eat that. But if you teach him how to fish, he can eat from now on. Amen, Pastor Johnson. We gotta stop giving handouts and start giving hand-ups. Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about this. When you give that man all your money and you can't pay your bills, that's a handout. When he's driving your car and you can't get to work, y'all know what that is. That's a handout when he's living in your house and not paying any bills? I wish I had somebody understood that the difference between a hand out that makes beggars and a hand up that makes deliverers. So what happens is, here is a woman that gives him a hand up. Now the next point is support from his sister because she hooked him up. Verse four, (laughs) Exodus two and four, and his sister stood afar off to wit what to be done to him. Verse 7, Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I'll give thee wages. I know my time is running. Let me just, I'm just going to throw this point out because there's one last thing I want you to see. You want to know how Moses made it? Because He had support from his sister. And y'all, some brothers are not going to make it without support from the sisters. And he had a sister that was watching over him even though he didn't know it. And I know he didn't know it. I know he didn't know it. But she still watched over him. Now watch her now. She supports her brother when he was not in a position to support himself. Now, some sisters say, well, Pastor, you know, I I would really try to help a brother, but I don't have anything myself. Neither did she. She was in bondage like he was. She was in slavery like he was. She was in poverty like he was. But how did she help him? You know what she did? She knew two people. And all she gave him was a hookup. Y'all not getting it. She, She knew Pharaoh's daughter. And she knew Moses' mother. That's his son. She, so she said, when that child was pulled out of the water, she ran up to Pharaoh's daughter and said, oh, your baby is so beautiful. You have a wonderful baby. And Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, I do. I appreciate that. Miriam said, listen, let me go find somebody to help raise. You, you make too much money. You too busy helping with the kingdom. Let me find somebody to help raise your child. And then, then Pharaoh's daughter said, go find me somebody, Miriam ran. She's, she's making a hookup for her brother. And she ran and found her mother and said, guess what, mama, Pharaoh's daughter found and that fool's going to pay you to take care of your own child. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Every now and then, God will make a way. He'll provide from some way you never look for stuff to come. Won't God make a way out of no way? Now, now, for sisters who don't want to hook up your brother, Saying, well, if he's a man, he ought to make it on his own. Moses didn't. Every time Moses' life got saved, there was a woman that did it. First the Hebrew midwives, then his own mother then his own sister, then Pharaoh's daughter, then his wife support. Every time his life was saved, it was a woman that did it. I want you to understand there are some good brothers in here right now and all they need is a hookup from a sister. All they need is some sister not to give them a handout, but to give them a hand up. But wait a minute, brothers. I don't want to leave you without blessing you today because when Moses' sister delivered him, a few years later, he delivered hers. <laughs> Oh, I wish y'all had read Exodus chapter 15. Miriam is singing and dancing. Why? Her brother just brought her through the Red Sea. All I'm trying to tell you, brother, if a sister helps you, turn around and help her. Stop entering into non-reciprocal relationships where you get everything and give nothing. I wish I had about two more hours just to stay right there. Let me at least say this. You know how Moses could deliver her? First, he got saved. He was pulled out of the water. Salvation. Then, he got education. You don't live at Pharaoh's palace and not get educated. Then, Revelation. Exodus chapter 3, he gets revelation from God. After he gets salvation, education, he also got identification. That's why he killed the Egyptian rather than the Hebrew because he knew who he was. Identification. Watch this, brother. When you get salvation, When you get education, when you get identification, when you get revelation, next you ought to bring emancipation. You ought to help set somebody else free. Well, I ain't finished, but my time is up. Let me go on and tell you, if you're going to make it, if these kids are going to be delivered, it's also going to take the grace of God. Because I don't care how good parents are. If you don't have God's grace, you can't make it. I don't care how the community reaches out to help you. It's going to take the grace of God for you to get through that thing. I don't care how your sister tries to support you and the women in your life. If you don't have God's grace, you're not going to make it. Well, you, maybe y'all don't see the grace of God in the passage. Let me tell y'all where the grace of God is in Exodus chapter 2. Don't, don't think it's by coincidence that, that Pharaoh's daughter was taking a bath that point at the Nile River it's not by coincidence that that basket Moses was in just so happened to be floating along the Nile at the place Pharaoh's daughter just happened to be taken No, no no it's not by coincidence she caught a glimpse of the basket out of her peripheral vision told her servants to go it's not by accident Miriam just happened to be there I want to tell you what was happening while the government was planning Moses' destruction. God had already prepared his deliverance. While the government had prepared for him to go down, God had already prepared for him to come back up. I don't care what other folk have done to you. I don't care how they tried to destroy you. I serve a God that's got key people in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. I'm not here today by chance. I'm here today because when others tried to send me down, God had already planned to bring. Oh, y'all not getting it? Y'all, y'all do know that's what grace is. Y'all remember Jesus? He died on Friday, but God raised him on Sunday. But Sunday was already in the plan before Friday took place. Oh, I'm feeling real good right now. Cause today may be your Friday, but if you can just hold on, Sunday morning, it's on its way. Folk are laughing at you, it's your Friday. Folk are stabbing you in the back, it's your Friday. Folk are beating up on you, it's your Friday. You don't know how you are gonna pay your bills, it's your Friday. Sickness is in your home, it's your Friday. How you going to make it with that hard-headed child? It's your Friday. Husband didn't come home last night. It's your Friday. But if you can just hold on, Sunday morning, is on its way. Y'all do know what's going to happen on Sunday. God is going to raise you. God's going to make a way. God's going to heal your body. God's going to pay your bills. Won't he do it? Won't He do it? Can you say yes? You ain't gonna make it without grace. But if you got grace, everything is gonna be all right. Grace woke you up this morning. Grace started you on your way. Grace saved your soul. Grace lifted your burdens. Grace got you through school. Grace, got you a job. Grace, put food on your table. Grace, healed your body. Grace, put a roof over your head. I'm so glad. Grace will lead me on because I'm so glad. Trouble, I wish I had a witness. Won't last. Always. Hallelujah. Y'all excuse me, but hallelujah, I'm sorry. Thank you, Jesus. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? Who opened that door for you? Who made that way for you? Who brought you through that trouble? Who brought you through that trial? And I don't believe he brought you this far. yes. Won't he keep you? Won't he keep you? Won't he hold you? Won't he make a way for you? Can you say yes? Hallelujah. Listen, 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 listen. Oh, I, I think this may not mean nothing to nobody, but somebody that should have been a statistic. Somebody that should have been in juvenile center. Somebody that should have been in jail. And the only reason why some of us aren't in jail right now is because we didn't get caught. Grace! Oh, I wish I had somebody that knew about Grace. Grace! Have you ever been driving down the street and fell asleep? Woke up and the truck that was in front of you was now behind you? Grace! Have you ever had a bill that you didn't know how you were gonna pay? But somehow some money came from somewhere Grace, have you ever been sick, and the doctor couldn't find the problem, but you're in here to testify today? Grace, has somebody ever walked out on you, and you didn't know how you were gonna make it, but the Lord walks with you, he talks with you, won't he tell you? Grace, 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 grace. Grace. Grace! Amazing grace! How sweet the sound! Oh, hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! Save the wretch like me! Mm, Hallelujah! Once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Through many tolls, dangerous tolls and snares I've come. Grace that brought me safe this far. Won't grace bring you home? And when we've been there, 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we have no less time to praise his name than when we first begun. Anybody in here saved? Anybody a Christian? Do you know what saved you? You didn't save yourself. You didn't pick yourself up. You didn't get yourself out of that water. You didn't get yourself out of that danger. It was God's grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. He saved you when you didn't even deserve it. Brought you out when you didn't earn it. Because all of us deserve to die, but you know why we're here today? Grace. Yo, I know know the hour's late, I know it's Mother's Day, you gotta go eat dinner, but I'm grateful for the grace of God. I wouldn't even be here today if it had not been for God's grace. I couldn't preach the gospel, but His grace. I don't live in a mansion, but I got a roof over my head. Grace. I didn't have filet mignon for breakfast, but I had something to eat, grace. Lord, I bless you in this place. I bless you in the sanctuary today. I lift you up today, dear God. We recognize that we're not here because of our own goodness. We're not here because we live so right, but because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that saved us. Lord, we receive everything you have for us right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray now somebody's gonna understand That the only way to make it is to make it by your grace. Father, I pray somebody will know that they cannot save themselves. They cannot deliver themselves. But they got to recognize God's grace has got to see them through. We believe victory right now in Jesus' name. Amen.